Welcome to Gateway Church Wirral Online. We're so delighted that you're with us this morning. So great that you can be a part of our live streamed gathering. Just to welcome you to this space and what we're all about. Um, to say that we as a church, we're all about seeing people meet with God, encounter him for all his goodness and his grace and for lives to be changed by him. As a church, we want to see a world transformed, made better and better through every life transformed by the grace of God. So our hope and our prayer for you today, meet with Jesus in the things that we're saying, in the things that we're singing, in the way that we're opening up the word of God, which is alive for us today. We want you to know Jesus, know that he loves you, know that he has a plan for your life. And as we're going through our gathering this morning, do please connect with us here in this live stream space. You can fill in our connection card. The tab, I think, is at the top of your screen. Request prayer if you'd like to. There are great, friendly people who would love to pray with you. And do just connect with us in any and every way that you'd love to. As a church, we gather. That's what we're about today. When we come to the close of our gathering, I'll tell you how you can connect with us going forward into the week. So have a really great time. Be blessed. Enjoy yourself and enjoy Jesus, we pray. Good morning. Good morning, Gateway Church. It's so good to be back with you again for another week of our well-being journey. Now then, this week we are looking at our financial well-being. And maybe for the grown-ups, that word financial, maybe that triggers you thinking about money. But this morning, what I want us to think about is everything that we have in our lives. Because God not only cares about us and everything that we are and the way that he created us to be, but God cares about everything that he has given us as well. Because everything we have in our lives has been given to us by God. Everything physical that you have, the people that you have around you have been given to you by God. Now then. I'm going to start off then maybe talking a little bit of a focus on, on money and, and our, our, our financial well-being and, and about giving, tithing maybe to God. And I want you to think, God wants us to bring the first and the best to him, to bring the first and the best. And sometimes we can feel a little bit like we're, we've got our cake and we're just chopping off a slice and, and we're giving that over to God. But and, and we can think, well, I could, I could give this much to God, but I, I need this much for myself. I could give this much to God, but I need this much for myself. But what if, I mean, imagine I said, imagine I just said, can you give me a thousand pounds? How does that sit with you? Depending on how much money you have, you might think, yeah, great. Or you might think, please, no. <laughs> you might think, have fun. I'll never be able to give you that much. What if I said, give me 500 pounds? What if I said, give me a hundred pounds? Is there anyone in this room that could give me a hundred pounds right now? You got hundred pound, Adam. Have you got hundred pound in your pocket right now, <laughs> Molly? You've got hundred pound. You have hundred pound, Molly. Can I? Can you bring it to me? <laughs> Molly's got hundred pound. Oh, look at you! Thank you, Molly. Now then. I'm just going to put this very safely in my pocket now. Here we go. Now, I'll let you into a little secret. I gave Molly £100 before the service. I said, Molly, I'm giving you this. I'm, I'm, I'm entrusting this to you. Can you look after it for me? And then when I ask, bring it to me. Now, Molly might have thought I don't want that responsibility. She might have thought maybe I should run away and spend it quickly. 
But it wasn't Molly's to begin with. Molly quite readily came up on stage, quite eagerly, quite cheerfully, and gave me a hundred pounds. And she did that. She wasn't reluctant. She wasn't like, oh, I don't know if I should. I could give you, I could give you ten pounds. She gave it all to me straight away. She brought it straight to me because it wasn't hers to begin with. She knew that I had given it to her. It was mine. I gave it to her. And she was just bringing it right back to me because she knew it wasn't hers in the first place. She couldn't hold on to it as tightly as she might have wanted to hold on to it. She could, it wasn't hers to begin with. She knew that it wasn't hers. She needed to bring it back to me when I asked it was mine to begin with. And that's the attitude that we need to be having ourselves with God. I think sometimes when we think of the word give, we can think, well, that implies that it's mine to begin with. And it's mine to give and to choose how I give and where I give. But actually in the Bible, it uses the word bring so, so often that we should bring our offering before God. And I asked Molly if she could bring it to me. Because when we think of bring, it reminds us it, it was God's in the first place. And we're just called to bring it back to him. It wasn't ours. The things that we have aren't ours. Our, our gifts, our talents, our skills, our money, the possessions we have. They weren't ours in the first place. They were given to us by God, freely given as a gift from God. And he's just calling us to bring it back to him, to bring him. Or I think so I want to start using that word. I'm, I'm going to start using the word bring more often in my life rather than give, because I think that can change our attitudes a little bit, that we should bring God the first and the best. And it actually says in the Bible that when we do that, blessings will be poured out over us. Whenever we give, we will receive. And it's far better to be a giver. It's much better to give than to receive. But we still, God will pour out his blessings whenever we bring the first and the best to him. He will pour his blessings out on us. And this is why I've asked you to bring your paper and your scissors. So if you've got that this morning, grab hold of it now. Okay. And now I just want you to count the number of corners on your piece of paper. Count, help. Maybe your grown-ups might need to help you. I don't know. Maybe you can do it one, two, three, four four corners on this piece of paper. Now, I want you to imagine that this is something that you could, you could give back to God, that you could bring to God. Maybe it is money, maybe it's skill. Our worship team come up here every single week. They've been given a talent by God and they want to bring it back to God. They want to honor God with the talent that he's given them. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So whatever you're bringing to God, I want you to imagine you're doing that with the paper. And I want you to cut off a corner. You start with four corners. Here we go. Bring that to God. There we go that over there to God and I've, I've lost a corner I started with four and I've, I've given one away let's count how many we've got now one two three four five no but I gave one away I should how have I got no no okay let's let's do another one okay let's give some more to God let's cut off another corner here we go give that over to God there there we go Let's count our corners now. One, two, three, four, five, six. We've got more again. Okay, last one. Let's do one more, one more. Let's give some more to God. Here we go. One more. I've got, I've got, I started with four. I've, I've given away three of them. I should only have one left. One, two, three, four, five, Six, seven. How is that possible? I only started with four. I've ended up with seven. I've got more to give as well. Look at that. Whenever 
you give to God. Whenever you bring the first and the best to God, he will pour out his blessings. You will never run dry. You don't need to clutch on tightly to whatever God has given you because it's, you think, oh, it's going to run out. It's never going to run out. God will just pour and pour his blessings out over you. The more that you give, the more you will receive and you will just have blessing after blessing poured over you. So that's why we can cheerfully give. Just like Molly cheerfully hopped up on stage, bringing me the money that was never hers to begin with. God wants us to cheerfully bring back to him everything that he's given us because he's got something better in store. He's got more and more blessings to pour out over us. So this week I want you to have a think. What can you bring before God? Is it time? Is it money? Is it a skill, a talent that he's given you? What can you bring before God as an offering? He's given to you in the first place. What can you bring back to him? And trust me, he will pour out more and more blessings over you than you can ever imagine. Thank you so much, Gateway Church. And thank you, Grace. I, do, I really like that idea of, of bringing um, rather than giving. And it just it speaks, doesn't it, to how relational it is uh, for us to engage with God in this way and to recognize that it really is hand to hand and God granting to us and us returning to him and how beautiful that relationship is. And, you know, before we um, dive into what we're going to be sharing from the word of God this morning, we're going to be engaging a little bit in some of those relational aspects. We want to spend a bit of time in prayer and week by week, uh, what we're going to be doing uh, for, from here on in is just spending a little bit of time in prayer together. And as I begin to share, can I invite you to help me with this? And if you're at home, could you just grab the device that you're with us on and just pop into the chat what, what you're praying for at the moment or what you love your brothers and sisters as part of the church uh, to be praying for with you. I'm going to try uh, my very best to pick up on some of those things and we'll pray together as we go forward. So please do dive right into uh, the chat there. Um, but what we've been uh, doing actually here in the building that the small handful of us who are here is as we were praying just as we began we, we were kind of reminiscing and we were reminiscing about God's hand of faithfulness uh, when, we were, when we were able to renovate this building. If you remember it was, it was derelict and we were talking about all of the, the dangers of it all and, and how God has brought it to be this beautiful place that um, please soon we will be able to uh, be back in together again and then some of us we were reminiscing further back about our our previous church buildings and, and the care home and the nursery over the road and how God has developed and, and worked through us to do all of these things. And really we were just drawn to a place of, well, there was a bit of fun and a bit of laughter, but also of thankfulness that the God who has been faithful will be faithful. Amen. And so as we come to pray right now, I'd invite you, uh, and look, you might want to get on your knees if you prefer to do that or to stand, but, but maybe just change your posture a little bit and just kind of you know, prepare yourself. Because what we're doing is we're really wanting to interact with God in this. This is the God who can do more than we ask for or imagine. And if that's true, I don't know about you, that makes me want to imagine more. And it makes me want to ask for more because I know that Jesus has spoken to me and to you and to each and every one of us. And he said, come on, ask and it will be given to you.
I want to share a few things just as we begin. And, you know, many of you, you'll, you'll be on our church prayer line. If you're not, please do text or WhatsApp that, that number that's in the notes. And we'd love to connect you. But uh, you'll know that our, our, our sister, part of the church here, Marge, she's up in hospital right now. And we're wanting to lift her before God. Steve says she's stable, she's doing okay. But we want her to be healed in Jesus' name, don't we? We want her to be home. Uh, and so we're going to be praying for her. And maybe there are others like her. In your experience, look, put the those names in the chat and let's get praying right now that we see God breaking into people's circumstances, setting people free, healing them, restoring them, drawing them near to himself. Oh, we're also probably very conscious and aware of, of some of the ongoing troubles that are happening right in the north of Nigeria with, with renewed uh, kidnappings and abductions of, of school children. And we can only imagine the, the fear and the horror of these things. And so we want to be praying for those situations. We want to be praying for, for wisdom and, and, and honesty amongst those who are dealing with these situations. We want to be praying for God's justice to be done. We want to be praying for freedom for those captives as we want to be praying for freedom for captives spiritually as well. God set people free. And I want to invite you to be joining with me in praying for these things. You know, I'm just uh, opening up the, the, the chat here and I'm seeing we're, we're wanting to be praying for, for Moxie's friend Richie. Absolutely, let's pray for him in Jesus' name. And there's requests here for prayer that we might uh, know health. And we're wanting to be praying for Bowler's friend Yinka. And we're wanting to be praying. Uh, yeah, thank you. So many of you are talking about Marge and praying for healing for her. Hannah, praying for your sister in, in the Navy and for your brother as well. Let's be lifting up these folks in Jesus' name. Eunice, yes, we're joining with you in praying for the salvation of your family. Thank you, Grace. Joining in prayer for peace in Nigeria. I know how much that must be on your heart. Dear God, let's lift up all of these things and please do continue to add them into the chat right now and let's be praying together. Come on, let's come before the Lord. God, we thank you. Everything that we have is yours. And Lord Jesus Christ, we're praying, God, for a mind shift, Lord God. All too often we look at our circumstances, we look at our lack, we look at perhaps what we want to have, and we're staring at these, uh, we're staring at these situations and they become so big and overwhelming in our mind and our hearts. God, instead, this morning, we're looking to you. We're looking to you, the God who is great, the God who provides, the God who knows all things, the God who is with us all wherever we are, who knows what we're facing this week, the God who is with our friends and our families, the God who is, you know, all around this world. We've, we've mentioned Nigeria. We might also mention the situation in Hong Kong. I know that's dear to the heart of many. There are so many things that we might lift before you, but God, we recognize we're lifting them before you. And you are more than able. God, you are victorious. You are our healer and our provider. You are our comforter. You are our great friend. And Lord Jesus Christ, we count it a privilege this morning to bring before you all of these needs and so many more of them who are coming out now. And God, all these families that we're bringing before you today. I see Joyce, you're bringing your family as well. Uh, Phil and Anne, you're bringing the, the church family of Oasis in Wallasey. And, and we're wanting to bring our loved ones to you, God, because we know that your hands are capable, that your hands are gracious, that your hands are hands of strength and of healing and of provision. And God, we place all of these prayers in your hands. God, be glorified. God, be glorified. 
be glorified in our lives, in our service, in our bringing of everything that we have into you, Lord Jesus. Have your way. Amen and amen and amen. Oh, God bless you, church. God bless you for being so willing to share with one another. I'm so encouraged by that. And I know uh, tonight, uh, 8 p.m., we're going to be on Facebook live sharing around communion. If you're wanting to bring your prayers and bring your heart cries to God, that's a wonderful place to do that this week with our transformed communities. I know you're going to be wanting to, to do life with those who are close to you and bringing all of, our, all of our hurts and our burdens and bringing all of our hopes and our dreams. And so be with your, be with your friends, your family through the week and let's be praying and seeking God for his goodness and his grace. There's perhaps just one more thing to highlight to you in the way of perhaps notices, and that is this Thursday evening. We've got a whole church Zoom at 8 p.m., and it's, we're going to be sharing some important notices and updates for you. Obviously, things change really rapidly in this season. We want to make sure that everybody's up to date, but my hope is that it would also be a Q&A time that, that each of you could bring your questions, maybe about the way that we've been doing things, about things that have been happening in our world or your circumstances, about our plans and our hopes and our dreams for the future and, and all these kinds of things. So please, let's make sure we're all coming along at 8 p.m. And dare I say it, if you care about your pastor, could you let me know your questions in advance? Because um, I'll, I'll do my level best to you know, keep light on my toes on the night. But if you can help me out and send those questions sooner, that would be so so helpful. Thank you very much. Well, today we are um, sharing in our, our final part of our well-being journey. Now, that, please, that's not to say that we're just going to move on from well-being. It's like, you know, well-being, tick, you know, we can just kind of move on into something else. Look, you know, in the coming weeks, we're going to be sharing around prayer and prayer as mission and the power of prayer. That's going to be great. But what I want to encourage you to do is as we draw into a close in, in the things that we're sharing week by week, could you do a bit of a recap for yourself this week? You know, in your transformed communities, I've mentioned with your, your well-being uh, journals, those 50-day journals. And, and please forgive me. I know some of you have just been receiving them recently. But hey, you've got the blessing of continuing the journey. Uh, but as you're thinking about these things, those six dials, you remember them? Perhaps they'll come up on your screen. I'm sure they will. And thinking about all the different aspects of our well-being in life and the interconnectedness of them. Just do a little bit of a review, a, a little recap. You know, where have you seen God moving in your life? What changes have you been making? You know, perhaps um, you can be something a bit like me. I make good plans, but, but quite often I need to be reminded about my plans. Quite often I need somebody to say, hey, Greg, have you actually done that? Did you make that shift? Did you make that change? Look, we all need this. So do that review and, and invite that accountability from uh, those who are journeying with you in Jesus. Think about your physical well-being, your emotional well-being, your relational well-being, your spiritual well-being, your mental well-being, your vocational well-being that we looked at last week. What changes have you been seeking from God? In what ways have you been inviting his best, his grace into your life? And what perhaps do you still need to put into practice over the days and weeks ahead? Well, 
We come to the conclusion of our Sunday messages, and uh, and forgive me, we did do a little bit of flipping on the topics, but that means that we actually come to um, financial well-being as our concluding topic. And I don't know, maybe subconsciously, uh, Pastor Greg, he moved that to the last one because, you know, if I'm honest, I don't always like to talk about finances. You know, if you were to ask Erin who raises the subject of our finances, it would almost never be me. Um, You know, and it's not to say that I'm necessarily, you know, afraid of these things or anything like that, but I just don't really like to talk about it. In truth, if things are a bit sticky or tricky at any particular time, I'm a bit like that ostrich kind of putting his head in the sand and kind of hoping everything's going to figure itself out. Maybe there's some subconscious stuff happening there. But in a sense, it's not so bad that we actually come to a conclusion here because I think For many of us, maybe a lot of us in this particular season of life, in this pandemic we've been going through, this is a particular area of concern. And yet, it's a particular area of God's shalom, what we've been talking about, this this peace, this well-being, and there's a particular work God wants to do in our lives. In this pandemic season, as I've said, perhaps maybe next to our health, we all want to stay healthy at the moment, don't we? But maybe next to that, our financial well-being might be the topic that's on most people's minds, gnawing away at people. You know, our, our chancellor, um, and I hope you pray for him, he's shortly going to be presenting a budget that's going to try and do the impossible. He's going to want to be um, giving away money that he doesn't have uh, to keep the economy going and maybe growing, whilst at the same time inviting people to, to give to him money they don't have either uh, so that he can do, and oh my goodness, who would have his job? Do pray for those who are in political leadership in our country at the moment. And yet, it's quite a nuanced picture, actually, during this pandemic in the UK. You know, because people have found themselves at home so much more and maybe working from home and not able to travel and so on and so on, I read that close to £17.5 billion a month was saved by people in the UK into their current or their savings account during March and in June 2020, during the the, the major lockdowns that we had. And actually, it rose to £17.6 billion in in the last lockdown in November. And I I don't know about you, I read these things and I felt thoroughly inadequate at that moment. I was like, oh goodness, I think I should have saved a bit more. But it's, it's a whack load of cash, isn't it, that people, because of circumstances, have actually been saving. And yet... At the same time as these eye-watering sums being, you know, not spent in the usual fashion, 819,000 people also lost their jobs in the UK between February and October last year. Unemployment is up to 5.1% and the Bank of England estimates it's going to rise as high as 7.7%. These are, you know, numbers, percentages, but we know it. it means lives, doesn't it? People, families, homes. More than a third of those homes haven't actually been able to put away any money, any savings during this pandemic, and are actually eating into what they had, what little they had. Of those with families, in recent polling, more than a quarter said that they'd struggled to pay the bills this past week. 16% of those with no children said similarly. 
You know, in fact, this actually isn't just a pandemic issue either. In 2019, polling was done that found that 77% of people in the UK are stressed about their financial circumstances some of the time. That's a huge number of people, isn't it? With 17% very stressed. We know that financial worry, it can affect us in so many ways, can't it? It can keep you up at night. You won't get your sleep. It can affect your relationships and marriage, your family life. It can affect physical health, mental health. It can be a minefield. Yet God wants us to be healthy and whole. He wants us not to be dominated by worry, but to be overshadowed by his care. Now, when it comes to our financial well-being, uh, my experience would be, I think this is, this is fair, is that we tend to, to veer off course in one of two ways. Either we could veer off course toward the love of money, an unhealthy pursuit uh, of wealth, of possession, or we can lean toward the fear of the lack of what we need, and somehow that might twist us in other ways. God doesn't want us to live in fear, nor in the unhealthy pursuit of more, We're called to live in him, neither in fear nor in greed. We're called to live in him, to live in a God who is also known in the Bible as Jehovah Jireh. Perhaps you've come across this particular name for God. Now, we translate it as as the Lord, our provider, and it it truly does mean that. But part of the root meaning of those words um, is that God sees things beforehand. He's not surprised. In fact, that very word provide comes from the root that means beforehand and to see. And it it directly translates for us that sense of the biblical meaning of the name of God there. God sees things in advance. He's not surprised. He knows your tomorrows. He knows your needs. And this is the God that we're invited to place our trust in. Not our own ability to, to get more, consume more, have more, nor our own worries and fears that we won't have enough. We're invited to place our lives in the hand of God. You know, as the team comes to lead us again in praising this God, this loving provider, this one who tenderly wants to care for us. You know, we're going to come in a moment to think about Elijah. We've been spending time with him, haven't we? Uh, And today we're going to join him and the nation at the time in a time of drought and of famine. Look, it's worse than a recession, a famine in those days. It's worse than the the troubles perhaps that come from something like Brexit, you know, the, the difficulties that are being worked out at the moment. It's worse even, dare I say it, than a pandemic. You see, if there's drought and famine in those days, there was no food. Literally wasn't food. There was nothing. And so what we're going to see in desperate times through the life of Elijah, through the life of a destitute widow, and through the life of Elisha too, is how God is trustworthy and true. And we can place our lives in his hands. Come on, let's worship together. And then we'll come to learn how God wants to bless us. Amen. Amen, amen. We're singing and we're, we're really uh, being conscious and aware of all the things that God has done for us. Well, actually, it's really relevant perhaps to our, our first point this morning as we consider uh, the life of Elijah, the Old Testament prophet, even in incredibly troubling circumstances, in times of drought and of, of famine. 
Now we've concentrated on 1 Kings 19, but we're going to look a little bit broader uh, this morning and see how uh, through so much of his life he really experienced and was able to minister in God's supernatural provision and the way that God wanted to speak um, in his life and, and to us today. And our first thought for this morning is that actually God wants us to choose contentment in every season. In a moment or two, we're going to look in 1 Kings 17. You're welcome to head there now in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's a little tab right there in this online environment where you can click it and it'll bring up the Bible for you in 1 Kings 17. Choose contentment in every season. I was just thinking about this the other day as I was chatting with someone about my kids, that, um, that there seems to come a point in every kid's life when a, a, a switch is flicked somewhere in them and they move from largely being unaware of the, the vast cornucopia of toy options out there. They're pretty content with what they have, but then all of a sudden the switch is flicked and, and, and they just want everything. And, and largely I do blame Saturday morning cartoons for this, um, which is my way of saying that I blame myself for sitting the kids in front of cartoons because I want a quiet life. Um, but this is how it goes. And, uh, and, and, you know, the cartoon will happen and then the, the adverts will begin. And all of a sudden, all of these incredible possibilities are opened up to them. And the, the two uh, most devastating words in the English language follow, which are, I want. Um, and no, not really. I mean, it makes me sound like so miserly, doesn't it? No, I'm not like that at all. But um, it, it just kind of changes in life. Um, and I, I wonder actually kind of how inbuilt this is into them. Uh, as I was putting on my shoes and making my second cup of coffee before I came to church this morning, I, I heard from the stairs um, uh, my little girl say, um, I'm going to take this one, or, or Daddy, I have one of these. And, um, and then I, I heard my wife from the top of the stairs saying, what have you got? What have you got there? What have you got? And I come out and I see my little girl holding in one hand my wallet. And uh, don't worry, there's nothing in it. But uh, she's holding the wallet and in the other hand she's pulled out a credit card. And she's like, Daddy, I have one of these. And uh, it's all right, it was the church credit card, so I didn't mind. It was, you know, no, not really. Uh, but I was like, goodness gracious, you can't have that. So, but then you've got to talk her down from this position. So we managed to find some out-of-date membership card for something that um, she could use. Shh, don't tell her um, that it's not um, worth any. It starts young, doesn't it? This kind of desire to kind of get a bit more. or do, uh, Choose contentment in every circumstance. In times of famine, uh, of drought for Elijah in 1 Kings 17, if we've, we find this incredible moment in verse 6 of that chapter where the Bible tells us that the ravens, yeah, you read that right, ravens, brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. And the Bible's teaching us here that God has actually prompted and enabled this supernatural provision for Elijah. You read it, like, I'm sorry, what? Ravens brought him his meals? Well, yes. God is taking care of him, meeting his actual needs. And it's, it's pretty rudimentary. It's quite fundamental. It's not that ravens were brought in, bringing him diamond rings or a Maserati. Or it's not that kind of thing. It, it, it's meat and bread and there's water. His needs are being provided for. 
And, you know, sometimes we need to get a little bit of perspective in that. But at the same time, we need to allow our hearts and our minds to, to begin to understand that God can. He does make a way. God provides. And provides in this way for Elijah. He also provides for Elijah uh, by means of, of a widow. We're going to talk about uh, that person. We're going to recognize also that God he provided for Elijah by means of an angel. God will find a way. And he'll, he'll find whatever kind of way. Because God is not limited in any way, shape, or form. We are limited. And our limitations oftentimes lead to discontentment. We, we wrestle, struggle with the fact that we can't or we, or we don't or we, we don't get or we aren't able. But God is unlimited. And if, if we can lift our eyes from ourselves to God, it'll be foundational for us to grow in contentment. It's not something that will just ordinarily come naturally. We've got to learn this. How do I know that? Well, the Apostle Paul said he had to learn it. In Philippians 4 and verses 11 to 13, Paul says this, he says, I am not saying this because I am in need. He said, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You've got to learn it. But it's so important. And it applies just the same, Paul is telling us. There can be contentment when, when you're doing better, when things are going well, that you don't fall into the trap of saying, I must have more, I must do more. But it also works when you feel like there isn't enough. That actually there is still the possibility, the promise of contentment in God. But it won't happen by accident. You've got to learn it. You've got to learn it. You can't spend your way to contentment. You've got to learn it. You can't uh, automatically be more content if you do this or that or have this or that more. You've got to learn the principle. You know, during the financial crisis in 2008, a journalist named Tony Carnes, he wrote of an executive at one of Wall Street's leading investment banks. Now, apparently this guy, he was in bed and he was watching a news report, CNBC over in the States. His competitors, all these famous name companies, they were going belly up one after another. And he said he was just so surprised at how quickly it was happening, falling like dominoes. He knew that his own company could be next. He prayed, of course, that it wouldn't be. But then his wife, hearing this and seeing him, she turned to him and asked, are you worried? No, I'm not, he said. She asked, well, aren't you stressed? And he thought about this for a minute and he said, even if the worst happens, we will still be together as a family and have Christ who loves and cares for us. That's a guy who, you know, to all intents and purposes, we might say he had it all. But there he is, he's staring down the barrel of a gun where tomorrow he might have nothing. But he'd done the work, I guess, of learning contentment. How about you? How about me? It's so key, so important for us. And this is the principle that Elijah was learning, that, that Paul learned. And it is our first and foundational Principle. The Bible tells us that godliness with contentment is great gain. You've got to do the work. You've got to do the work. 
Our second principle before we come to worship God again is that we then ought to, we must give God the first and the best. Well, you might say, well, you would say that, Pastor Greg. Doesn't the church pay your salary? You would say that you have to give God the first. Well, you know, it's true. It's true that uh, the church does pay my salary, but I'm not telling you this because it's good for me. Actually, if you'll open up the Bible with me this morning, I'm saying it, it actually because it's good for you. You know, we've mentioned already that name Jehovah Jireh. And, and actually where we first encounter that name in the Bible is the story of Abraham and Isaac and, and that invitation that God gave to Abraham to surrender his first and his best, his only son into God's hands. And yet then in that sacrificial giving, God gave him more than he could possibly have asked for or imagined. God provided. He knew. There's a profound story in the middle of these famine times in Israel. Elijah, in these times, he was in need of food and support. And he is sent, strangely enough, to a destitute widow, to somebody who has less even, it seems, than Elijah does. Strange, isn't it? that when we know from what we've read and explored so far that God can provide food by means of ravens from the sky, when we know from previous weeks that Elijah, uh, he could have encountered somebody like Obadiah who worked in the king's household, an influential man, God could have provided in various different ways and yet God sends him to a lady who's got almost nothing. A huge part of it is because God actually loves in a very particular way widows and orphans. He wants to include this lady in God's supernatural work. But as we worship now, before we come back into this story, I want you just to reflect a little bit in choosing contentment and in beginning to explore generosity and, and giving or, or bringing as we've heard this morning. Are you prepared for God to do things a little bit out of the box? Are you prepared for God to surprise you, to, to shake up your ordinary? Do you need everything to be so regimented according to your thinking? Or are you willing to say, actually, God's ways, they are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than mine. And, and actually, I'm going to allow my faith to be placed in his hands so that he can do bigger, better in me, for me, through me. We'll come back to this in a moment. But why don't we choose now? to place our lives in his hands. Oh, that song is full of good news, isn't it? It's full of good news. And I know through this Lent season, we're looking forward to Easter and we're knowing that God, you know, he's come from death to life. He's brought us from death to life. And, you know, I was just sat over at the side there and I could see on the chat, I could see those little praise hands going up. I could see them. I know that it excites us, doesn't it, to think about what God has done in our lives. Look, if you're wanting to be a part of some exciting stuff that Adam and the team they're working on for Easter, do please get in touch. Uh, there's, there's some exciting stuff going, going on, so please do get in touch about that. Now, um, we wanted to continue this story for a little while before we come again and, and praise God as we close. And we've considered already how it is that we want to learn 
contentment. We want to learn contentment. I tell you, praising God with these songs, they're actually really, really helpful for us in learning contentment, aren't they? They remind us of, of who we are and what we have and who our God is in all seasons and all circumstances. And right now, we're considering then how it is that from that place we can give God the first and the best. And we found Elijah in this time of famine and of drought, and he's been sent by God to somebody who seems to have so little. It doesn't seem like an obvious means of God dispensing his grace. A destitute widow. Now here's how the story unfolds. In 1 Kings 17 and verse 13, the Bible says, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Yeah? Don't be afraid. That is a constant refrain in the Bible. And you know, it comes up so often because, hey, we need to hear it so often, don't we? Have no fear. Don't be afraid. And Elijah said to her, Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me and from what you have and bring it to me. Then make something for yourself and your son. It seems such a strange dynamic, doesn't it? That that if God is going to kind of miraculously provide, well, uh, it would seem that... the lady and her son, they should, they should have. But Elijah is saying, first of all, bring a loaf for me. Well, what's going on here? Is Elijah some sort of arrogant guy? Is he like, well, you know, serve me first. I am, after all, the man of God. Is that what's going on here? Because that would be really unhealthy dynamic. It would be utterly wrong. Actually, no. What's being done here is not just that the words of saying don't be afraid, but the work of not being afraid. How does the story continue? Well, the Bible says, Elijah, he's sharing God's word. He says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. Elijah, an extra mouth to feed, coming into her place of lack, but by this means comes God's provision for her plenty, for enough, more than enough. Now, it doesn't make much natural sense. It seems like it would add stress, yet actually it is her release from stress and from desperation. What, what it is, it, it will boil down to this. Who do we trust? Who do we trust? Do we trust our own limited understanding and foresight, or do we trust God's limitless wisdom and vision? Proverbs 3 extends the case for us when it tells us that we ought to trust God from the bottom of our hearts, not just if we have little scraps left over at the top, you know, at the top surface, little extras that just, oh, we're like, well, we don't need that, but from the bottom of your heart, when there's, you know, maybe nothing else left, but from that bottom, trust God. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Listen to this. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. 
Now look, you might be saying, well, I don't have bonds, I don't have wine vats, but you get the principle, don't you? That from the bottom of our heart, we give to God. We honor him with our first and our best because it moves us from a natural understanding and a personal dependency to a supernatural understanding and a God dependency. This is the shift that God wants within us because principally God's not after your stuff. God has everything already. Isn't that what we learned at the beginning this morning? He's not after your stuff. He's after you because he loves you. And he wants to move you from desperation to plenty. He wants to move you from fear to contentment. God wants you. And if you're willing to entrust in him in this way, he'll do wonders in your life. We'll stop being rooted in fear, stop being rooted in the self and move into God's supernatural economy. Now, I was raised in a home where, you know, these kinds of things actually, they were modeled pretty well for us. And I'm going to share one of Pastor Paul's stories. I'm sure you've heard it many times, but it it stuck with me so much that when he was a lad, um, he had a little bit of pocket money or or a little bit of earnings, I forget. um, And and it it was in the old days of money. And so forgive me, I don't entirely understand pounds, shillings and pence, but uh, he had these denominations and he knew in the Bible, it talked about 10% being a good starting point for what we give to God and so he's looking at his coins and chatting with his his father about what he should give because it wasn't an easy sum to do and he was like well 10% not a it's not a round number do I give a little bit less or or do I round it up a little bit more and his dad said no actually you give him this one and it was a lot more <laughs> and Pastor Paul would talk about how he, in the moment he was like oh hang on <laughs> can this be right But that principle, Pastor Paul would say, right from those very early days was one that established a contentedness in God and a way of giving God the best so that God could do the best in what he gave. I remember for me as a young lad, and you know when your teeth are starting to come out and you kind of, you know, you believe in the tooth fairy and um, obviously for those of you who are young and listening, you totally believe in the tooth fairy because it's real. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was getting to that age in life that I wasn't entirely sure. Um, and uh, and, and I, I, came, I came to my dad and I said, oh, dad, this tooth's come out. And, um, and my dad, bless him, he totally ruined it for me because he put his hand in his pocket and pulled out some coins and said, which one do you want? And, uh, and I was like, oh, well, where's the magic in that, dad? Come on. And, um, but I, I kind of, I had that sense whereby I didn't really want to be grasping. You know, this is my dad. He took good care of me. And so I distinctly remember picking a 20p out and thinking oh that would be sufficient and my dad looked at me and he said and have this one as well and he gave me a pound and you know when you're little a pound 20 that's a lot of money frankly there's a bit of me that still thinks a pound 20 is quite a lot of money but you know these are the kinds of principles that were just embedded you know within me you know we grew up as a family and we used to go on caravan holidays and we were able to do that because at some point lost in the mists of time my uncle martin gave to our family a caravan because we couldn't afford one but he gave it to us isn't that beautiful And it set something in train in us. And I remember that our caravan, it would go all over the United Kingdom for half-term holidays and Easter and all that kind of thing. But there would be a rare holiday when we wouldn't put the caravan somewhere and leave it there for someone else from the church to come and use it. 
And this was just a kind of pattern of how we would live. And I'm not sharing that because in any way I want to be kind of boastful. I'm just sharing that because what was sown is something that's become a blessing in our family life. It's the kind of principle I want to share with, with my kids, except for Nora because she's got my credit cards. Um, but, but, you know, we want to kind of share these kinds of principles and, and raise people up in. We give God our first and our best. We sow it into the ministry and the mission of the church. We, we sow it into one another because we want one another to flourish in God's goodness and in God's grace. There's an instance in the New Testament where, where Jesus, he's correcting the Pharisees because they've totally missed the point of God's heart towards people like this widow and, and the poor. But Jesus says to him, look, you, you tithe on your herbs. You're, you're willing to give 10% of your mint to God. You've missed the point. You should actually be caring for the, 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 the poor and the, the needy amongst you. But there's something in that story that I think a lot of us miss. Jesus says to them, you tithe on your mint. And then he says, and so you should. Before he goes on to explain the wider point. See, there's many of us, we, we know we're not under law, we know we're under grace, we know we don't have to do things because they're prescriptive to us, you've got to do X or you've got to give Y, and you know, I'll never tell you that. But Jesus here is saying, actually, it's not about doing less because we're in God, it's about recognizing that because our lives are in his hands in a whole new way, because we're resurrected in him, because we're alive in him, because we're in his hands, we actually start from that position. We don't say, oh, do I have to give X? Or we say, actually, you know, as Grace was sharing before, I get to bring. And, and that's just a starting point for me. I get to bring, I get to give, I get to do, I get to share and see what God will do through my life. And this brings us into our, our final point that as people of contentment, as people who give our first and give our best to God, then we are invited by God to steward what we might term the extra well. And lastly, we're going to come into consider Elisha, who we met last week, and we're going to consider him again. He's the young man who's going to be Elijah's companion. He's going to be his successor. Now, Elisha, he's quite different to Elijah at this point. You know, Elijah, he's living really quite hand to mouth. He's living purely on what God provides for him day to day. And, you know, we've seen how God does always provide supernaturally, wonderfully. Elisha's a bit different. Elisha's very different to the destitute widow whom God supernaturally provided for all the way through that drought. Elisha's actually a person of, of some wealth. You see, we meet him in 1 Kings 19, 19, and, and he's plowing with 12 yoke of his family's oxen. He's there at the back, as we mentioned last week, with the 12th pair. And Elijah goes up to him and, and invites him into the story. But what we see already is they've got land. They've got land to plow. They're going to be sowing stuff. They've got 12 yoke of oxen. This is not a small situation. They've got quite a bit. Now notice this as well. In this circumstance, we recognize that work is good. Uh, Pastor Greg says this quite often on Sundays and, and I know that you know that I have Mondays off and so it's very easy for me to say work is good isn't it on a Sunday the rest of you are like well we'll see um, but the, here's the truth of it God established work in the Garden of Eden in paradise 
He said to Adam and Eve, work the land, tend for the creatures, make it good and, and, and let it flourish. Work is a good thing. It's part of God's creation plan for us. It's not part of the fall. It's part of God's plan. Now, Elisha, as we've said, he's working. He's doing okay. His family has enough. Now, listen to me. Hear this. We live in the United Kingdom. We live in a country that is, that is largely very wealthy. I know there's a lot of disparity in our own country. But here in the UK, one thing that we would do well to acknowledge is that globally speaking, we're more like Elisha than we are like the destitute widow. We are more like the people who have enough. You know, we see it, don't we, played out with, with vaccine rollout. And here in the UK, we've got more doses than we need. But other countries, their numbers of doses they have barely make double figures. There are so many disparities globally. And we just want to take a moment and consider that. Now, you might not be expecting this, but actually within that context, within that context of, of how we actually might have extra, might come to have extra, we want to just hear perhaps a quote from that wonderful godly man, John Wesley. And he said something like this. He said, earn all you can, give all you can, save all you can. You might think, what a strange thing to say. Earn all you can, Greg. Well, as Pastor Dave Smith, who wrote our well-being journals, he, he puts it like this. He says, God is not against us having wealth. He's against wealth having us. And that's a huge difference. You know, this needs to be our guardrail. Think about your own circumstance. Is your work life squeezing your family life? Is your investment in earning preventing your investment in the church family and in its mission? Are you as present for spiritual opportunity as you are for financial opportunity? These kinds of questions will help us to get this right. We need to get the balance right, but when we do, we don't need to be guilty about what God might bless our lives with, about our earning. Proverbs 13, 11 says this, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. It's about diligently earning our money, saving as well as spending, saving so that we can have margin to remove stress from our lives. And you know, I'm preparing this message and I'm, I'm, I'm hearing this. Because again, you know, as I said right at the beginning, my wife is much better at managing things than I am. I'm very, very glad for that. But I know that these principles are true. You know, to have things like an emergency fund in your life. To save so that you can have some of the special things of life. And saving, and, and here's really where I want us to land this morning. Saving so we can give away. So that we can give to the work of God through his church so that we can give to those who are in need. We, we started this morning by thinking about that contrast between billions of pounds saved by some on the one hand and yet others who can't pay their bills. Now, I've said it numerous times during this pandemic, but if after all is said and done, you can point to a, a completed lockdown project, a, a home improvement or a new hobby purchase, if you can point to those things while at the same time your brothers and sisters in Christ are struggling to put food on the table or pay the rent, well, do you feel that that is right? Could you explain that to them? Could you explain that to God? 
It isn't his way. Acts 20 and verse 35 says this, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. We must remember the words that Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. See how much Elisha gave away. You know how the story goes from last week. He, he, he burnt the, the, the plow. You know, he, he sacrificed the ox and he, he gave to everybody who was present and then he walked away from that. Now, look, he was moving into full-time ministry and he gave up everything. That's not everybody's story. It's not everybody's journey. But for everybody, there is giving and going. There is giving and going, the surrendering into the security of God. Again, Mark 10 says this to us from the lips of Jesus. Truly, I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. How can Jesus ask to give it all up? Well, because he's asking you to place your life in his hands, to be contented in all things. How can Jesus ask for everything? Because he's asking us to learn the principle by giving the first and the best. Because he's moving us from natural understanding to supernatural possibility. If we're people who are content and and generous, then, then God knows when he says, look, it's all mine. Steward it. Give. Be free. We're not going to be people who say, oh, but we're going to be people who say, thank you, Jesus, for the chance, for the possibility. How can Jesus ask this of us? Because God, Romans 8 tells us, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God gives us everything, everything that we need, everything. This morning, can you resolve to content yourself in his hands? Can you resolve to move from your own fear into the faith of offering him your first and your best? Can you ask for the help that you need to steward things well? And please hear me. Look, if you're struggling, please, would you ask for help? We as a church have been blessed through this pandemic to help people pay their rent or put food on the table. We've been blessed to help people figure out their financial health so that they can move forward into new seasons with God. If you need help, then please ask. If you can help, ask yourself, am I contented in God? Have I let him move me into the supernatural possibility? Am I stewarding so that I really am giving freely, generously and seeing what God will do with these things? Come on, would you pray with me? Jesus, these things, these issues of finance, of possession, of wealth, of our well-being in these areas, Lord God, they can be so fraught, so difficult. God, I pray this morning that there be much more light than heat. If there are feelings of of, of tension or of stress or of worry or of, of shame or of any of those kinds of things that are infecting us wherever we are this moment I pray God free us release us 
It's not your intention for us. It's not my intention as a pastor for this church. But God, I pray that each of us, we would look up to see there's more. There's more. We can be content in you. We can give you our best. We can have margin in our lives so that we can give as freely as we have received. God, we thank you and we praise you for all that you have poured out into our lives through Jesus Christ our Lord. Help us to be people who freely give in the manner of our God. Amen. Amen. In the notes for today, there are some resources and some helps for those of you who might be struggling with the area of finances. Please do check them out. There'll be opportunity right now for you to give to the ministry and mission of the church as we worship. God bless you. I'm going to see you at 8 o'clock tonight on Facebook as we share communion. I'll see you this Thursday as we Zoom together to see what God is going to do in us and through us next. Right now, come on, let's get to our feet. And let's praise his name. God is so good to us. Amen. Once again, it's been such a delight to be able to share together as a church this morning. And uh, we know uh, that taking what God has been doing in our lives, we can go and have wonderful weeks with him. Just to um, invite you um, to journey together with one another as we go through the week. We as a church, we don't just gather, but we get going into what God has for us together. And we have these things called transform communities. We would love to help you to connect with other like-minded people who are exploring God's goodness and grace and seeing how they can be a part of his transforming work in the world. So again, hit us up, get in touch. We'd love to help you to connect. Anything that you need, any prayer requests, do let us know. And we'll love to see you again this time next week. God bless you and bye for now.